I got some swag. Your eye, there's no other eyes in the world. It's just like your fingerprint. It's no, no other eyes that have ever been created are as awesome as yours. Now, some of you are like, I wish they were a different color. Your eyes rock! It's in the same way. Your laugh is so swagalicious. Listen to yourself. Let's all laugh on three. Even if you gotta fake it. Alright, ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Alright, ready? One, two, three, go. <laughs> it turns into a real one. Your laugh is awesome. When you laugh, other people feel good when you laugh. Did you know that? When you laugh, it's like turning up the volume on how good they feel. It's like, <laughs> it, it makes people feel good. Your walk, most people don't practice their walk. If you do, don't tell us. We will laugh at you. We will all laugh at you. I know you're in church. We'll still laugh at you. But your walk is so unique. In fact, people who know you could just... Uh, you could disguise yourself and they could just watch you walk and be like, all right, that's Bill. Nobody walks like that. Is this your walk? You, you have so much swag, your laugh, your smile. Your smile is just like, you're, some of you are like, oh, it doesn't look like Mr. Clean. It's your smile. And it's awesome. It is so awesome when you smile, other people smile. Did you catch that? When you smile, you make other people smile. That's how awesome your smile is. Now, why am I mentioning these gifts, these talents that God gave you? Because so often we get caught up looking at other talents and skills in things that come so natural to everybody else that we don't recognize that we've got our own set of skills that are pretty awesome. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote more than half of the New Testament, he did, he, he did something really interesting. He was sitting there and he looked at the other disciples. Now, you're not supposed to compare, but if you're human, you end up doing it. He looked at the other disciples he pulls out a pen and he writes in the Bible. Watch this. First Corinthians 15, verse 9. For I am the least of the apostles. Who am not worthy to be called an apostle? Because I persecuted the church of God. But. By grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He, he said that before Popeye said that. I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So what he's writing down, he's sitting there and he looks at the other apostles. He sees their talents. He sees their skills. And he writes in the Bible, which is the inspired 
word of God, he only wrote what God told him to write. So God told him, you are the least. Thanks. You, he can't. You, you ever you ever meet somebody that says, "Man, you're you're so much better than me," but you know they really think that they're better. Do you know what I'm talking about? You ever see that? Oh, man, you, you're so much prettier than me, but deep down inside you're like, you know, you think you're hot. You're not, but you think you are. This is not what's happening. Paul is writing it because it is a fact. You take his skills, his talents, his abilities, you compare them with the other apostles, and at the end of the day, I am the least. He was the two-talent guy. If you're a two-talent person, I'm a two-talent person. I got two primary gifts. Primary gifts. Um, I've, and they're, they're arguably, I've got a gift of speaking and a gift of leadership. That's really all I got. My wife has like nine. It's embarrassing. I use, those are my only two gifts. She's good with numbers. Who's here good with numbers? Who's good with, I don't like you. I have to love you, but I don't like you. Uh, just some of it. How many of you can spell really good? You just spell super, super good. I saw someone on YouTube that could spell any word backwards. I was like, God doesn't love you either. What do you think about that? He's like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. It's just like some people just have an enormous amount of talents. Well, if some of you are in my boat or in Paul's boat, you back up, you look down the line, and you're like, well, you know what? Um, I'm the two guy. Uh, watch this. He just got done saying, I'm the least. But he also said, watch this. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace towards me, I was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. So he's saying, I'm the least. I've got the least amount of talents. I've got the least amount of strength. But I produced more than all y'all. He was southern. All y'all, all all (laughs) y'all. Y'all come back now, you'll hear. How in the world can somebody who has less gifts, less talents, produce more? I'm so glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked. Watch this. There's three ways that that happened. Uh, Number one is that Paul said this, I labored more than ye all. Uh, Point number one is this. He was constant in his labor. So you got guys, the uh, the other 11, there used to be 12, but one guy spazzed out. So now there was only 11 disciples. And and then you got Paul over here, who's not one of the 11. um, But he's basically saying, I outworked you. I outworked you. Watch this. Uh, I, I wrote this down. Paul traveled 
more than any one of those disciples traveled. Paul preached more than any one of those guys preached. He wrote more letters about God than any one of those guys wrote. He introduced people. He brought people to the temple like he invited people to church. He, he brought people. He, he saved more souls than any one of those guys saved. He built more churches than any one of those guys built. Watch this. He endured more hardships than any one of those guys endured. Now, when you start looking at traveling and preaching and writing and talking to people about Jesus and building churches with a hammer and a nail, those aren't even talent-required actions. That's just flat-out tenacity. Are you with me? See, when you decide, or Paul decides, or I decide, that, hey, I'm not really as talented as the rest of these cats, but I am going to keep my pedal to the metal. It's, I'm not going to get idle. Uh, I remember I was 26 years old and I was at a conference and the guy who wrote Good to Great, I don't know if anyone ever read that book, it's a phenomenal book. He was up there and uh, he goes like this, uh, actually I think I was more like 24, but anyway, he goes, some of you have the curse of charisma. It was awkward because everybody on the staff that I was at... Uh, at the church that I was at, they, I could feel their eyes burning in my face. Have you ever felt like someone was staring at you? Have you ever felt that? I, could, I was like, I know you guys are looking at me because I've got a little bit of charisma. And, and now this guy is telling me, in front of everybody, you have the curse of charisma. Now, I'd always thought about it as a gift. Now, this guy... He's quite a bit smarter than me, says it's a curse. He goes, let me tell you why it's a curse. He goes, because in middle school and in high school, everything came easy for you guys. You didn't have to work hard to have friends. And, and that was the ultimate success in high school is having friends. And, and you didn't have to work hard for friends because you had this gift. He goes, but it's actually a curse. He goes, because everybody else that didn't have this gift worked hard in high school. They worked hard for friends. They worked hard at their academics. They worked hard because nothing came easy for them. And so those of you that had the curse of charisma, you didn't have to work hard for those things. You had to work hard academically, but you're probably so intoxicated with your own popularity that you didn't pay attention. He wasn't talking about me. He, was, uh, <laughs> he goes, you didn't pay attention to your academics. He goes, so then you get out of high school. No, he goes, then, then you come back to your 20-year reunion and you see all the guys with charisma and, and they're still funny. But there's nothing else about their life. That's awesome. Because they never built those skills of working hard. And all the people that didn't have as much charisma, 
They worked hard in their books. They worked hard in their studies. They worked hard on their relationships. And that pattern of working hard continued. Whereas the high school quarterback that was sitting around 17 going, hey, you guys saw that touchdown I threw last Friday. Whenever they're 47, what are they doing? Oh, you, did you guys see that touchdown I threw like 20 years ago? Same stories! Because they got the curse of charisma. Very few people take it when it's still in its gift stage and ignore it and work as if they don't have it and then just use it as, this isn't in the Bible, they use this word in Louisiana, lanyap. It's the extra stuff. How many of you knew what lanyap was when I said it? I got my 10% Louisiana folks. It's not in the Bible, but it's good theology. It's, 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 you use it as extra. Paul was sitting there and he's going, I don't have the charisma. I don't have the personality. In fact, people fall asleep while I'm preaching. That's in the Bible. But what he did is he just worked hard. One talent guy, two talent guy that just worked hard. What did he work hard at? He worked hard at the one thing that was more important than anything else. He kept his head on a swivel. And so whether he was building a successful business, which he was a business owner, whether or not he was working on a successful business seven days a week, 24 hours a day, whether he's working on his business or whether he was in prison, he was looking for somebody to talk to the Lord about. And I said this in the class that we just came out of. You and I get to work together in telling people about the Lord. See, it's a partnership because I can't do what you can do. I can't invite that neighbor or the office friend in the office to church. I can't do that. But I can do what is awkward for you to do, which is talk about God. And so if you do what I can't do, then I'll do what's awkward for you to do. We work together. But Paul did not get distracted. He kept his pedal on the metal. Number two, not only was he a constant, but number two, grace empowered him. Now, now, what does that mean? Because he said this earlier. He said, I was the least of the apostles, but by grace, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in void, but I labored more abundantly. I was abundant because he just did more of it. But then he had the grace of God. What's the grace of God? Grace is when you no longer depend on just your own wisdom. Grace is when you have this wisdom of God downloaded. <laughs> into your brain and you just know things that you didn't study it's awesome and he gives you insight and open doors and he causes people to like you how many of you have been on a lot of interviews you, you can't even count how many interviews you've been on raise your hand raise your hand see i've been on more than i can count because i've been fired so many times between 19 and 21, I got fired 20 times. That's a lot of firing. 
seems people are real picky about showing up. It's It's crazy. But I remember sitting in interviews like being my best me and then leaving wondering if it was good enough. Um, When you have the grace of God, God causes people to like you. That's really helpful. Have you figured that out? That's really helpful. So he he had the grace of God on. He had this extra oomph behind him. And, and because of this grace, now watch this, he, 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 in Mark, I believe it's in the book of Mark, watch this, um, it, it says this, that, uh, let me find it, let me find it, um, uh, Mark chapter 16, verse 20, and the disciples went everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them. That's called grace. That's called grace. God working through you. So he was more productive because he he didn't get distracted. He kept his foot on the pedal. But then God worked through him, which is awesome. I don't know about you, but that's what I would want more than a Mercedes Benz, more than a, a, a mansion on the moon, more than anything. I would just love for God to just move through me. How many of you guys would like that more than anything else in your life? Um, let me take a, a brief commercial time out. I'm going to tell you a riddle. Now, if you've heard this riddle, you don't get to tell anybody, I heard it. Okay? And you can't guess the answer to the riddle. But if you've never heard it, then you get to guess the answer to the riddle. Here's the riddle. Uh, there's a guy named Jake, and he's at home. He takes off running, and then all of a sudden he takes a left. He keeps on running, and then all of a sudden he takes another left. Keeps on running, and then all of a sudden he takes another left, and then runs back home. When he gets home, there's two people standing there with masks on. What is happening to Jake? Raise your hand if you know. Stand up. we got to give you a big round of applause. He just crushed it. Were you right? I saw you raise your hand, too. Were you right? Show off. Charles, put your hand down, liar. You didn't know. I'm just kidding. He didn't put his hand up. I was going to say 100%, but somebody ruined it. 99% of the people, your mind went towards the direction that my mind went when I heard this riddle. Jake's about to get robbed. (laughs) Are you with me? Because our natural bend, when we receive information, is to think the negative. So just our natural bend. Except for you. But that's our natural bend. And so whenever I stand up here or sit up here and I talk about how Paul was more effective because he had grace that was more of a tool and more of an asset than all the talents that those other 
disciples had, most of us go like this. Golf clap. Good for you, Paul. Real happy for you. So happy you had access to all that grace. What you may be thinking, if you're anything like me, you're thinking to yourself, sure wish I had access to that grace. That would be awesome. The reason why you came to church today is so that I could tell you, you have access to that much grace and accessing it is not hard at all. It sounds hard, but it isn't. Let's go on to point number three. Accessing this grace. Can you get more grace? Yes. Three ways. Practical ways. Number one is through humility. Humility brings grace. Now, uh, let me give you a scripture. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble people receive more grace. It's just like God sees that hum- that moment of humility and he's just like, boom. And the thing about humility, it's very interesting because God wants to give us his power so much. He wants us to be humble. And we really have a choice. We can either choose humility or we can be humiliated. But either way, God's going to get us to be humble people. Are you with me? Some of us have been humiliated before, right? Typically, it comes during those seasons when you think you know everything. You think you're always right. You go through those seasons where you're just right. I'm right. I'm right. And then God goes, and it's a little situation that comes up, and you're just like, oh, so stupid. Oh, my goodness. But... The definition of humility is not to think less of yourself. That's not humility. I'm spit. I'm spit. I'm spit. You guys are awesome. I'm spit. That is not humility. That's some self-deprecating bad thinking. All right? This is what humility is. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Did you catch that? Let me say it again. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Uh, If you're married, you're trying to figure out how to not always be the one getting the better end of the deal. If you're single, this is very, very different. You're trying to figure out how to make sure that you're not always getting the better end of the deal. That's what humility looks like, is that you're not always first and you always don't you don't always get the best end of the deal. That's what humility is. And the more we choose that, because it doesn't necessarily come natural, the more we choose that, the more God sees that moment. And you don't get to say, I'm being humble right now. That messes the whole thing up. When he, when you choose it and you keep it private, it's like God takes humility and just sends it in your grace and sends it in your direction. So number one is to be humble. Number two is prayer. 
The more you talk with God, talk to him in your head, talk to him in your heart, talk to him out loud, whisper. Don't whisper. Just talk to him. Talk to him. Sometimes we get caught up in having a prayer time. I want to challenge you to just pray all the time. First Corinthians 517. Never stop praying. Just keep praying, 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 praying. Take your cell phone, put it underneath your seat, turn off the radio and make your car into a sanctuary and just pray. Just pray. Pray. How do you pray? You just talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Talk to him. Prayer. How do we know that? Because when Paul says those words or when Peter says these words, these words are awesome when it comes to grace. This is what he says. First Peter, chapter one, verse two, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's awesome. Adding is cool. Multiplication is cool's big brother multiplied. I want the amount of grace that you have. To be multiplied. The amount of God that's going through you, whatever it is, is it this much? Then I want it to be this much. If it's this much, then I want it to be this much. If it's this much, you get the point. I want you to have so much grace. I want it to be multiplied. And he speaks that blessing. I want it to be multiplied. And when he speaks that blessing, anytime you speak a blessing like that, it's a bilateral blessing. Because when Peter says that, he's talking laterally to people, but at the same time, because it's a blessing, it's a prayer, and he's talking vertically, vertically to God. So when he says, may grace be multiplied unto you, he's speaking to you and he's speaking to God at the same time. He's saying, receive the grace. I want you to have the grace. Hey, God, give them grace. And so at the end of the services, most of the time I say, may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. That is a bilateral communication. I'm talking to you, but I'm also praying it from God. So when he says, may grace be multiplied unto you, he's praying it. He wouldn't be praying it if it couldn't cause it to happen. So number one is choosing humility. Number two is to pray constantly. Listen to this. What you learn in the presence of God, you cannot learn in the presence of man. Pray, 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 pray. Last and final point on how you receive grace. The scripture says this. May grace and peace be multiplied unto you. This is first Peter chapter one, verse two. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus, our Lord. What's he saying? In the knowledge of God, grace and peace is multiplied unto you as you receive knowledge from God. The more knowledge you receive about God, the more grace you receive from God. Did you catch that? The more knowledge you receive from God, about God, the more grace you receive from God. So last night, I'm laying in bed. I can't sleep. I always do the same thing. I roll over. I grab my phone. I open up iBooks and I pick out a book to read. I very rarely finish a book. I read like 20 at the same time. So I never really finish any of them. And so I'm just like, which one do I want to read? And I've got a few of them going that I really like reading. And this thought came to my mind. I should read the Bible right now. 
And I was like, I don't want to read the Bible. I want to read this other book that I'm reading. It's super exciting. This is what I was thinking last night. Then I had this other thought. But man, having more grace in my life would rock. So I'm going to read the Bible with grace being my motivation. Now, some of you are like, dude, that's not good motivation. Absolutely it is. It's awesome motivation. Because what is grace? Grace is more of his presence in my life. Moving through my life. Influencing my life. So sometimes you grab the Bible and you read it. Just because you want God to go, oh, somebody is reading my word. This person gets more of me. I hope that helps you today. Why don't you stand to your feet for me, please? Um, I usually try to do a visual illustration. Um, how many of you can see that smoke right there? Can you see that smoke? Raise your hand. And the, Sean Giller, can you see smoke? No? Too far back? Just trust me, there's smoke. <laughs> Raise your hand if you can see that smoke. In James chapter 4, verse 16, it says this. That our life is like smoke. It appears and then it vanishes. The reason why Paul kept his pedal to the metal and constantly told people about the Lord and kept the Lord front and center it was because he recognized that his whole life is just like smoke and the only thing that is going to outlast him is what he did for him would you bow your head and close your eyes everybody in the room without anyone looking around if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes Are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity? If the answer is no, would you just raise your hand right where you're at, please? I see hands going up all over this room right now. Can everybody, as an outward sign of surrender, just raise both hands right where you're at and say, Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I want you to say this prayer as well. And if you feel comfortable with it, just keep your hands up. Say, dear Jesus, I need your grace. Would you inject more grace into me? I love you so much. And I'm inviting you into every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen.